This is the Delivery Space podcast. Whether you're interested in software delivery, business change or transformation, we've got some great content lined up for you. We launch into different areas of project delivery and bring you those insights and experiences that you don't get from a book. Welcome, it's Sharon and Nisha. This is episode number nine on developing your career in the delivery space. Morning, Nisha. Hey, Sharon, how are you doing? Really good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, thanks. I'm excited to have my ex-uni mate on. Hello, Mamta. Hi, ladies. How are you doing? Morning. Morning. It's lovely to see you, Mamta. I just want to give our listeners a quick intro and then we will dive straight in. Sounds good. So, guys... So guys, Mamta is a leadership consultant, coach and course creator who has delivered numerous workshops, coaching and training to executives, directors and managers within organisations ranging across many industries. Mamta has over 20 years of experience within the broadcast media industry, having worked in companies such as Sky, Amazon and the BBC. In Mamta's previous role at Axido, she led a team of over 60 employees across EMEA and was accountable for financial performance, portfolio health and governance activities. Mamta is now passionate about positively changing mindsets within organisations, particularly helping women, ethnic minorities and LGBTQ members within their full, reach their full potential and become confident, inspiring leaders. Current clients include Warner Media, Kazoo, Naked Wines, HarperCollins, News UK and UCL. Mamta, that is a hell of a record of delivery behind you. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long career, I have to say, and I'm old. So, you know, you can do all these things when you get old, basically. So, um, but yeah, it's been it's been amazing. I'm very, very grateful, very lucky to do what I do. Mamta, I cannot even start cracking old jokes with you yet because we are of the same age. So there is that, you know, I, I'd love to give our leaders an indication of how uh, we kind of resurrected our connection. So it was one morning when you're bleary eyed on the tube that you open your eyes and see that one of your uni mates has entered the carriage and then from that point on we've stayed connected over time trying to understand what each of us are doing in our career uh, where we're at um, and the steps that we're taking and I was really intrigued by the path that Mamta is now taking uh, based on her journey to this point so we've invited Mamta on the podcast to to share her journey in the delivery space and give some wise words and wise advice and and sharing of experiences for all those that are either thinking of entering the delivery space and and technology delivery um, and those that are wanting to uh, chart their next steps. So Mamta, hopefully we can can, um, benefit from your experience this morning. No, that sounds good. Um, it's it's always a great opportunity to kind of talk about your career um, because I think it helps inspire the people. Sometimes you come across obstacles and not sure how to do stuff. Um, but what I wanted yeah. to say is that anything's possible that you put your mind to. And, you know, I found that, you know, certainly uh, during now my 40s, I'm doing stuff that I never thought I'd be able to do, have the courage yeah. to do and, and, you know, things like that. So it's been it's been incredible. 
Can you describe your career journey um, within the delivery space to date, just to give our um, give our listeners some context? Yeah, of course. So I was um, I did a computing information systems degree along with Nisha at Kingston University. Um, I really did not do well in my A level, so I went through clearing to get on the course. To be fair, so I had no idea what the course would entail, um, but I it was amazing because it was like when, by the time I graduated, it was in nineteen ninety seven. And tech was just coming into fruition at that point. So, you know, at the internet, emails, you know, that sort of stuff. So actually it was a really great point to get into the tech side of things. So once I graduated, I um, managed to get a role as a software developer at a law firm called Clifford Chance. Um, and what I realised very quickly was that I was pretty rubbish at coding, number one. And number two, <laughs> I didn't really enjoy it either. Um, so I decided to realise, I realised I was very good with people. And I thought, okay, what kind of careers are kind of, you know, help people out and really are able to like talk to them about what they need, what they want. And I thought, okay, I could be project manager maybe. So mm. I ended up looking for PM roles um, within the tech space. And again, it wasn't so, wasn't so big. It was just, it was a very small community and industry back then um, as well. But I ended up getting a junior project manager role at a place called NTL, which is now Virgin Media basically. So NTL got bought, um, but they weren't looking for a junior PM. They were looking for a senior PM, but I managed to do well in my interview to the point where they said, we'll mentor you and help you become a project manager. So from that point onwards, I was able to develop my career and I stayed a, a PM for many years um, through NTL, through um, Sky and the BBC, and then ended up contracting as a PM basically for mm -hmm. several years afterwards. What inspired you that um, into that move from um, a full time permit into contracting? Because that's not an easy an easy uh, leap to make for some of us. So yeah, no, that. no, it isn't. What I realised was that because I'd moved, I hadn't stayed in one place, I hadn't stayed in one company, and I moved around. So that gave me the confidence to know that my skills were transferable, and that I was doing my job pretty well so I knew every project you had the same principles to deliver every project so that didn't change the company was different the people were different but the principles were the same so that gave me the confidence to know that actually if I apply this to contracting hopefully it shouldn't be too different the way you get paid is different and it was a bit scary to do that but I did wait several years before I actually went into contracting and I remember looking at um, like things like Computer Weekly and back in the day in the in Kingston yes. Uni looking at the rates going oh my god <laughs> these, these are good they're well paid <laughs> like, and, and the rates haven't changed so much since then it's really crazy uh, but they were really people were really well paid and I was like wow this is amazing it'd be incredible to do that and so when I left the BBC they had a restructure and I ended up going to um, Love Film which is now mm. Amazon so Amazon bought Love Film and was contracting there and it, it was a, a bit of a scary move to make but ultimately I had spoken to contractors and I'd been able to you know like kind of go with the I had a great accountant as well who said you know you need a few months of savings once you've got those savings then you know you're, you're fine and then you can pay yourself within six months so I was, I was confident in that as well it is a scary move but it's possible to do and I think it's it's very um you know in terms of revenue it's, it's a great way to do things Thanks for sharing that, Mamsa. Um, yeah. 
That's um, brilliant. And like you said, you kind of picked out that although the client may be different, the principles are common. And that's what Nisha and I experience as well as we move around these different companies, that once you've built that kind of foundation and, and knowledge, you can actually translate that to different clients. Absolutely, absolutely. And and to be honest as well, I didn't know where I could take my career afterwards. I had I'd got to a point where I was a good project manager, but I was like, what can I do after? I hadn't really had any role models. There was no one who looked like me uh, in senior positions in, in delivery because everyone looked the same at that point as well. So I wasn't really clear about what I could do. Um, but then I realised very quickly that I was doing the same thing again and again and again, even though I was getting paid really well, wasn't wasn't filling me. It wasn't adding value to my life either. So I found that that hard as well. So it was exciting at first. And then all of a sudden you're like, is this my life? Is this what I'm mm. going to do for the next 40 years, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's important, isn't it, that I guess we find something that fulfills us because our careers, our jobs, it's not purely financial, although, yes, that is a big aspect to it, but it's that whole fulfillment part as well, isn't it, that needs to be there? Absolutely. And I don't think I was ever taught that, certainly, uh, as, as a child, that you know, it's to work hard and do well and be successful and get a house and a couple of mortgages and all that sort of stuff. But it was never like, how do you feel about your job? Is it making you yeah. happy? You know, that all that was just taken out, you know. And so you were left on your own trying to find out what makes you happy, what fulfills you. Is this project yeah. for delivering uh, the PS3 making me happy? You know, like it was one of those things. <laughs> you do the same thing again and again and like, I'm not sure. All I could see on the tube, I'd be going up the stairs, you know, in, in Bond Street Station. I could see my deliveries, you know. So that yeah. was really exciting. But again, even then, it's kind of like going, oh. <laughs> yeah. How many posters am I going to look at on, on these journeys? <laughs> After a while, yeah. that fades. Right? Exactly, exactly. I, I, also, I think it's to do with upbringing as well, guys. Like, mm. I don't think my parents thought, is this, is this job fulfilling me? They were like, okay, I, I need to provide for my family. I'm willingly doing it. Um, and that is what I saw as a template, as a, as a role model as I was growing up. So to, to their minds, whether their job was fulfilling them or not, wasn't central um, in their lives. And again, that's what I saw. So um, it, to me, it is a way of centering yourself again because the opportunities that we have but it is a way of asking yourself yes whether a, a career path that you've chosen or an opportunity that you're working on at that time is really actually going to fulfill you and mainly that's because of a, a lot of opportunities open to us right now that you kind of need to be discerning as to what you take on right absolutely and and the thing is now the way that the industry has changed it was tech before but everything's tech so it doesn't matter what yes. area you go into, it could be health, it could be education, it could be whatever it is, you can actually find, even if you're a project manager, you can find the industry that you're interested in the most, yeah. you know, so you can give value, you can help, you can find that purpose as a PM, as a delivery person, if you're in the right industry for you. And doesn't that make everything just so much more rewarding? You know, you yeah. then get that motivation that I'm actually delivering something that actually fulfills me and I'm interested in as opposed to, you know, dragging yourself to the desk every morning <laughs> because you've just got to pay the bills. Absolutely. And, and that, that makes all the difference, I think. And that keeps you 
furthermore in your career to to, to want to do what you want to do um and mm-hmm. and, uh, and keep enhancing your skills and transferring those skills and, and being able to help other people and that's where that joy comes in as well isn't it where you can actually yeah. help other people to you know progress in their career too I think Manta you've had uh, such a wealth of experience in your career so far and I'm keen to know what are some of the ch- main challenges that you faced and how did you overcome them? Because I think we can learn a lot from when people go through uh, difficult times. So please share. Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. Um, and I think I have to say that my the, the sort of my ability to interview and be confident in interviews is quite high. I have an older brother; he's seven years older than me, so he would um, very kind of him to mentor me and you know think about how to do well in interviews and get the job and that sort of stuff. So that was one thing that I was really you know confident in but I wasn't so confident in um perhaps speaking up enough or um managing conflict or being assertive um I think my own challenges were my own limiting beliefs about me basically as well um and also you know the industry that I was in it was very much white male dominated and Mm. everyone in senior leadership was six foot white and male basically as well so I never thought I'd have the opportunity to get to a position where I'd manage you know over 60 employees um because I didn't think I was capable enough as a as an an Indian woman basically I I didn't think I had the skills and that really that and that's one of the reasons why I went contracting actually as well because I thought well if I'm good at my job I might as well make some money from it as well um Mm. but I got to a point in my career where I was like I was so I I think I was sky at the time I just wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling that I was adding value. I felt bored a little bit in my career. But I ended up having a coffee with a CEO of Exedo, which is a Swedish company. He was in London, but he's actually from Stockholm. And I had a coffee with him and he said to me, I've not seen a CV with so much experience in this industry. So it was like, you know, interactive TV, OTT, that sort of stuff, video in demand. And he said, you choose a job that you want to do in my company and I'll, I will create it for you, basically. And I, I was blown away. I was like, I've never, ever come across that. Maybe because he wasn't English. I'm not sure. He's a Swedish guy. He's from Scandinavia. You know? I was like, these guys are so nice. They don't care if you're Indian. That's, <laughs> um, that's amazing. What a gift. Mamta. It was right. such a gift. It was such a gift. Um, so I had the job of global program director. Um, okay. I was working in Stockholm a lot um, and also the UK. I, I kind of grew their office um, in London. And it was amazing. And then I made, I got promoted to head of delivery where I was managing, you know, 60 employees. Um, but it was, I, you know, I was good at being a PM, but I wasn't so good at being a leader, I don't think. No one ever taught me to be a leader either. So it was thrown into these challenging situations, which was very stressful as well. So it's not even been easy, even though you get promoted and that's where you think you want to be. There's other issues that come your way because then you have to deal with other people. Now, with project management, there's a massive skill because you are, you know, influencing laterally, like you're kind of like being able to like influence in, in ways that you don't have line management over them. But actually, line management itself is very difficult too. Absolutely. There is, you, there's a change in dynamic. If um, you're a project manager, to some extent, you still can maintain that camaraderie, that, that friendliness, that, you know, uh, and so can line managers, but the language that you use 
the, the, the level of conversation that you have, there is a difference between project management and line management, right? Um, as project management, you can still be seen as a teammate of your friends. Line management, you, you, there are there are those boundaries there, right? There are, there are. So yeah, exactly. You have to sort of be, you know, I'm very, I like to understand about people, about their personal lives, how they're doing, but you have to be very cautious about boundaries when you're line managing other people. And I found that very difficult. I found it very difficult to deal with any conflict. You know, I had lots of empathy. I had lots of, you know, you know, I was able to create trust and loyalty. Um, but I was, I found it really difficult to, yeah, the conflicts, I think I, I found it very, very difficult to do. So whilst you were going through these challenges, what support, Mamta, did you draw on on your journey to try and either further you or explore other areas? So I have, I mean, throughout my career in, in delivery, I did create most amazing relationships with people um, who were able to, including, you know, managers. So I, I joke about, you know, being English, but I had the most amazing English bosses and managers. And, you know, yeah. Kirstine, who's a, who's a woman, I'm actually doing some work with her in News UK. Um, she was incredible and she lifted everyone up. So I was able to talk to people that I'd been with for years who knew me on how to get that advice and what to do in those situations. Um, but also I had the courage enough to own up to the fact that I was finding it really challenging to manage um, a big group of people. Um, but also I wasn't able to, as a project manager, I'm so, you can become a little bit of a, not control freak, but you like to know what's going on in your project, right? Basically, yeah, I, I didn't know what's going on in my project because the, the project managers are a few levels below. So I was, mm. you know, so if things were going wrong, I'd only hear about it at the end when I was getting shouted at by stakeholders or customers. Mm. So I found that really difficult. So I did um, end up talking to my HR director who suggested that I go on a um, leadership coaching program, basically. And that's when I actually started discovering, I've never been offered any coaching before. Um, so that's when I actually ended up going on a six month program in Stockholm basically right okay and come on we want to hear more about it so it was it was amazing you it got was, us hooked I know. <laughs> it was incredible it was um so it was a Swedish organization and my coach was also Swedish so actually being British Asian with a Swedish coach was very different but we ended up connecting on a human level because mm how the program was is what it dealt with your holistic self so you are one person inside and outside of work what you do at home and your habits at home will affect your habits at work so all that was brought together over six months and the biggest thing that I realized was she tried to break me up my people pleasing basically which mm -hmm. is what I've been born with what I've learned uh, over the years um, so one of those was that but also about you know, did I have goals what what did I what was my dreams what am I what am I you know what do I want to achieve in my life I never thought of that before. No one ever told me, what's your goal? Or have you created goals? Back then I had no idea. So I just, I was doing my life or living my life day by day rather than think about the future, about what I wanted to achieve. Yeah. And, and then, so it was like, you know, work goals, it was personal goals. It was looking at my self-image, my habits, my decision-making, my health. So everything came together and it just was life-changing for me. It was incredible. I'd never seen, I'd had therapy before. But that was going back to like, you know, things that happen in your childhood and like program behavior. But I never looked forward before I thought of myself that way. So once I'd kind of completed that coaching program, I was able to lead better. And I ended up, you know, I think our profit margin was about 20% at that time, but ended up being 40%. Mm. 
because I'd changed stuff around. It was really difficult to do. I had to reorganize the teams. I had to like make really difficult changes to the teams. Um, but I felt I knew what I needed to do to make things more productive for the team. And so I did those changes and I felt better doing them myself. And once I was able to, you know, get to a point where I felt confident as a leader, you know, was helping the team out as much as I could, I decided to then go, all right, see you later, career. <laughs> I'll do something else now. <laughs> and that's what I did. <laughs> Love it. Okay. There's so much I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's go a little bit deeper in this, right? Let's let's stay with this scenario where you're looking after 60 PMs, all right? You've gone and got yourself a badass coach who is helping you with that holistic approach, right? Sharon and I, we are always talking about the importance of having really good coaches behind yeah. you. They are, you know, in in times of your life when you really need them or you're trying to make the next leap in your career they can be of so much use Mm. so the where I want to go deep is to what extent were those internal changes that you were making yourself manifesting on the outside because I saw you light up there when you were describing the impact of that coaching and how that impact of that coaching was leading to you making some great choices for the people you were leading yeah it was um I got I, I had to be made accountable basically so first one was accountability okay. take responsibility for your actions so if right. I had spoken to my coach and four weeks later I'd seen her and I hadn't made any actions or changes or done any exercises I'd I'd be like why and it'd be not a pleasant situation or a, a conversation because I had to explain that I couldn't for some reason I was um procrastinating or I didn't feel I didn't want to do this or it's too hard or whatever it is so someone was making me accountable for my actions and implementing mm-hmm. these changes every single month. And over eight months, that's a long time. So eventually, like, I, I should do this. <laughs> I should maybe do this. So one example was, all right, I want you to, you know, think about three circumstances where you're about to people please, but you changed it, basically, and you, you managed the situation differently. So those were like to that level of, of, of detail of how to action stuff. So I was constantly practicing what I was learning at work also practicing what I'm learning at home as well besides except for my mom because I'm scared of her so I could do I still try to please hey, my mom I have an Asian mom okay. too she scares me yeah I get it um but then yes I was able to implement what we were learning in the coaching sessions very rapidly to my to my life yeah basically as well so I think that's what it is you have to take if someone wants to be coached, it's about taking that responsibility, accountability and making that change for yourself more than anything else. Mm. You know, like it's OK. It's 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 not just the coach's job. It's also your job. And what I'm hearing from you is that you took massive action. So you had the self-awareness and the courage to say, I need some support in these areas. You went and sought the support out, but then you didn't just sit on it. You actually implemented it and you had a feedback loop almost, didn't you? Absolutely. And, you know, he hit the nail on the head, Sharon, like self-awareness is key. If you don't have self-awareness, you're not able to change yourself. And often when I start with a coaching program on a one-to-one or a group coaching program, self-awareness is the first thing that we go through because without that, you're not able to make any changes internally. Yeah. Agree. It's powerful. It's really powerful. It really is. 
One of the things I wanted to ask you is what, what role networking has kind of played in developing and furthering your career? How has it helped and what would you what advice would you recommend for our listeners in terms of networking? I know sometimes people come to me and say they're a bit scared to actually go out and meet people. And I guess it can be a little intimidating. So any advice you've got around that would be great. It's in terms of it can also be exhausting as well, having to network, right? So, Mm. I mean, you think about the pandemic, how people have been at home as well. So going out after this is even harder to network as well. But I know that some people feel comfortable being doing online. So I know there's been lots of sort of meetups or conferences and that sort of stuff, a bit more comfortable. But, you know, if I hadn't been networking, so I changed my career um, four years ago. So I decided to, you know, become a coach, bring over the program from Stockholm to here. Um, that was for three years and then I'm doing my own thing now. Um, but I realised that, you know, without networking, I'm not going to be able to get the clients that I want, talk to people that I need to talk to. If I sat at home behind my desk, I'd be not here where I was today. So. I had to put myself out there. So I went to conferences. You know, I, I made sure that Women in Silicon Roundabout, for example, I contacted mm-hmm. the organisers there. Uh, I put myself as a speaker, you know, as a host. So I'd meet thousands of people during that time um, who would then connect me afterwards. They'll follow me on LinkedIn. They'll be able to see what I'm doing, will connect with me. And, you know, going to different organisations to, you know, kind of put myself out there, free sort of sessions perhaps as well. So... But it was really scary. It was draining um, as well, but very, very important to for me to be able to now be where I am. Because now, because of the network that I have, I get asked for work rather than the other way around. So I'm able to That's now, brilliant. which has been, yeah, and it's after like a few years, you know, and it's, it's a beautiful place to be. And I'm very, very grateful for it. Um, but I think, you know, being able to reach out to people, even if you're not comfortable Maybe reach out to someone you know already, like, a you know, someone on LinkedIn that you have heard of, you have coffee with them. Ultimately, one conversation will go in many, many directions. So they, oh, I know this other person. I must introduce you to that person. So it's a chain, isn't it? It's a chain reaction when you talk to one person, you end up speaking to several people. So I think that's a, a way to kind of reach out to people. LinkedIn's great for that, I think. And isn't that a powerful thing that you've um, just described there? You said you now get people come to you for work instead of you perhaps having to go out there. And that's all through the power of networking and all that um, work and effort you've put into it. So I think for our listeners, you know, just hop onto it. It it is a bit scary at first, even for, uh, for me. I've had to kind of push myself to do it as well but if it hadn't been for networking and using LinkedIn and things like that I wouldn't have met Nisha so yeah and it's the powerful. delivery space wouldn't be here right now it would right? go see <laughs> and you meet all these like you know interview all these people and like in the space and it's just amazing it really is and and that's the thing like you know even with with Nisha now like if I think of stuff that Nisha could do or I could help Nisha with yeah. or whatever it is and it's just yeah and it's vice versa like it's just you just yes. want to help people out and be able to support one another in their dreams and goals and all that sort of stuff as well it's so important and it feels good as well to do that I think yeah absolutely and one important point you made right at the top of the the session Manta is that people do not teach you how to be good leaders right we don't get taught that in our roles Sharon and I discuss this all the time when we have our Mm -hmm. conversations and it's it's 
you pick up good habits, you also pick up bad habits, and then you realize that over time. So in your um, chosen path now to help other leaders excel in their careers, um, can you share what's led you to really um, choose the coaching path to see how you can influence um, other leaders and start working with them? Share with us some of that. Absolutely. Um, I looked into coaching in my 20s, I have to say. So it was a long time ago. I was actually exploring it. I think it was a coaching academy that I started looking into it. So I was at Sky. I think I was 25. And I was like, you know what? It's quite interesting, this coaching thing. And I, But I never went for it. I never thought, you know, that was something, a valid career that I could do actually um, as well. But what I've realised, well, firstly, it was experience. So having that experience as a leader, become a leadership coach, I think was quite valuable. Um, but also the, the need and the, the, the desire to help another human being become their best basically has driven me to this point as well. So, for example, when I coach a, a person uh, and they're in a leadership position, we don't focus initially on leadership. We focus on them. You know, mm. we don't focus on how they're feeling or what their strengths and development areas are or, you know, how they're feeling about themselves more than anything else. And so the first thing we do is work on that self-awareness, like Sharon said, right? work on that, think about what their triggers are, you know, what they're facing in their life that's preventing them from moving forwards. And then from that point onwards, so we go inwards first and then we go outwards. So then we think about, okay, so we've kind of, we're working yourself inwards. What can we do now? So they're like, okay, you know what? I need to be more strategically, you know, a, a bit of a strategic thinker. So think about how to do that and, 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 you know, make decisions and not procrastinate and things like that. So it's a very much inward to outward process. Um, because we have to look at ourselves first about what we're doing before we can go outwards. And I think that's been really key in the development of others. Uh, and so um, on a one-to-one, it's very, very powerful. But what I've realised is that you can do in a big group of people as well if they're engaged with it. So it's really, you know, for them to understand that power of values, their own values, not just the company values. You know, when I was in companies, it was more like, here are our values. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not sure how to relate to these values. But I didn't know what my values were. And now I know what my values are. I can actually choose, you know, who I want to, the work that I want to do and the companies I want to work with and that sort of stuff as well. So, and also like being able to see what healthy leadership is and not so healthy leadership as well. I mean, I've been in the industry for so long, you know, although I had good managers, I had also micromanagers and that didn't help me in any way. I was, I was, I was, you know, I would be so unmotivated, demotivated kind of work because I was being constantly managed I wasn't trusted to do what I wanted to do um so I think that you know modeling healthy leadership is so important and I enjoy really enjoy like you know um coaching the the new generation leaders you know the late 20s Mm. 30s you know about to go into their their roles and and you know get them to be that that aware and become these role models so often we mimic managers and we don't mimic in the right way um, and I think things are changing now for the better, but I think it's, you know, having people understand, you know, what they can do to rise themselves up, but also other people as well. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Mamta. It is an inside out journey for sure. Um, and it's making that uh, yourself aware of your own values. You're absolutely right so that you can identify. But looking inwards is is a brave and courageous move because um, it doesn't come easy does it that self-reflection and to have a coach actually replay that back to you a confidant 
someone that um, your your inner uh, dialogue is safe with um, is an invaluable thing to have. It is. It is. And it is the hardest thing to do um, for us. You know, this is where mental health issues occur from because we're not, we just, yeah. we're not aligned with our emotions. We're not aligned up with how we're feeling. So it comes out in anxiety. It comes out in depression. It comes out in stress. It comes out in all sorts of ways. And so, but even having one person that you know cares about you through the coaching process mm. makes all the difference in the world. Having mm. someone that you can talk to makes all the difference in the world. And I think, you know, we are, we want connections with each other. We're human yeah. beings, we're social animals. So I think that is really important. Yeah. I, I think now more than ever, isn't it, Sharon? Mm. Um, yeah. You see that as part of your everyday role. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, it's always about the people first, I always say. Yeah. Like you've described, man. So it's about forming those connections. You know, we're not robots, are we? And we do need to bounce off each other and get support from one another. And like you've described there, it's about the wider holistic aspect, mental health. So I think it's so important to form those connections. It is. It is. And, and I think I'm very encouraged to see that things are changing. You know, I, you know, leaving the delivery, the space and then talking to you both. It's so inspiring to me as well, because you are covering it from a holistic point of view, which I think is so needed. Yeah. So I think it's amazing what you're both doing. Yeah. Thank Human you. first. Thank you for the right? yeah. yeah. And thank <laughs> Definitely. you for the encouragement. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. It's my pleasure. So Mansa, we are at that point in the podcast where we ask our guest, what are the key takeaways that you'd kind of like to summarise from uh, everything we've discussed today so far for our listeners? I would say, um, you know, if you are working in the delivery space and think about think about how you'd like to think about your goals. So firstly, what would you like to achieve in your career? So think about, you know, if you're at a junior place, for example, how would you like to progress your career? Really think about what that looks like, visualize it and also think about, you know, um, which industry you're in and, and is that industry for you? Like think about inwardly. Is it helping you? Are you feeling happy? Are you feeling fulfilled? Is it bringing you purpose? If not, there are so many industries out there to move to because always remember that delivery skills are very transferable. You can go to any industry and it, it just takes that courage to do it. And always remember too that no matter what, you can achieve what you want to achieve in your life. You know, like if you're, if you're feeling um, out of sorts or you're feeling that you need more help, go to your network, reach out to people that you trust, that, you, that care about you, that you've worked with. And also think about coaching. If you wanted a coach, you know, think about how that would help you and benefit you too. So I think there are various ways to help you progress in your career um, and you know, think about it in a holistic way always to progress forwards and, and do what makes you happy. Brilliant. Brilliantly summarised. <laughs> Nisha, how about you? What are your takeaways? Well, for someone that's entering the delivery space, to hear that come from Mamta, um, would only encourage people, I hope, um, just so that they are fully aware that there are options available to them. Uh, and those that are wanting to enter the delivery space in particular, um, you know, can, can start looking at their skills and identifying which areas are uh, that they would be more suited to, but also that there is power, a lot of good power in coaching for those entering and considering leadership roles as well. Um, in fact, I think that would be a necessary thing for me if I was if I was back there in my career looking at 
how to enter a leadership role. So, um, yeah, I, I'd love to take that away from this and, and just, you know, kind of uh, speak about that as a as a call message to those who are wanting to take leadership roles on is to seek out uh, coaches that are of good fit so that you have that uh, solid kind of uh, backbone, if you like, to your journey and that can that can help support you. What are yours, Sharon? So I think for me, um, we spoke quite a bit about self-awareness and just thinking about things holistically. Um, you know, it, the, it's all connected. There's no disconnect and it impacts like your mental health, anxiety, things like that. So we need to think about things in terms of the bigger picture. And like Mamta described, there's help out there. So once you start speaking to the right people, there are always options. There's always help. You've heard us discuss coaching. You've heard us discuss the power of networking. And I think if that's something I could change going back to the early days of my career, it definitely would be putting more into networking because you get to meet some amazing people. It opens up so many opportunities for you and you create your own little niche support network. So I think those would be my key takeaways, Nisha. Thanks for sharing that. And thanks so much for coming on Manta and sharing your experiences and your wisdom. If people want to work with you and find you on social platforms, how should they do that? Um, so I think, that, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn quite actively. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is also theleaderinyou.co.uk. So you can find me there and see what I do. Um, but besides that, I use Instagram for fun. So it's probably no point following me there, to be fair. <laughs> I don't have to use Instagram or TikTok or anything like that. So yeah, LinkedIn is the best, best place, I think. Awesome. Awesome. And if we know anyone or come across anyone with great coaching needs, we know um, that we can come to you. So that is that is a, a great thing. Thanks, everyone, for watching and listening. Look out for our next video. Please like and follow us on our social media platforms. And we hope to see you online again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>